love is patient. Like not honking the horn when you're already 11 minutes late. Love is kind. It's doing all the chores so she can wake up to a clean house. It does not envy. Being truly joyful when your friend gets the promotion, even if you didn't. It does not boast. Love does not remind your kid of his 20-game losing streak. It is not proud. How about we apologize more often? It is not rude. And let's not value a like over someone's feelings. It is not selfish. Love shares that last cookie. It is not easily angry. It breathes when it wants to scream. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not bring up the past, even though right now it'll be really convenient and totally win me this argument. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love doesn't get excited when people get destroyed online. It always protects. Love always stands guard. Always trusts. Always leans into the promises. Always hopes. Always sees what's possible. Always perseveres. Always gets up one more time. Love never fails. And it's always worth it. Sometimes love is easy. There are, all, there are times in all of our lives when we just feel that upsurge of love for someone special and we want to pick them up in our arms, hold them close, tell them that we love them and do everything that we can to watch over them and protect them. And if we could take a, a photo of ourselves at just that moment, then we would appear to be a very loving and caring person. But the problem is that God is calling us to a much higher standard of love. As we saw in that little video, it's a love that is patient and kind and uh, forgiving and selfless. Even when somebody else is being unreasonable or horrible or who has hurt us again and again. It's a love that reaches out to a person no matter who they are and that keeps on seeking their best, even when we are stressed or tired or upset. And so in our next section of Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, we're going to see how Paul urged these Christians to grow in love. Not a love for some people some of the time, but a love that extends to all people all of the time. A love without limits. So we're going to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 9 down to verse 12. Now about brotherly love, we do not need to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers, to do so more and more. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. It's no surprise that in this letter Paul wrote about brotherly love. Because it's vitally important in all of our lives. In 1938, 
Way back there, Harvard University started what they called the Grant Study into what produces a fulfilling life. They chose a group of over 200 19-year-old men. I don't know why they just chose men, but they did. And for the next 75 years, they studied these guys, their physical, psychological, economic and spiritual well-being. And at the end of the process, with the remaining participants in their 90s, the study was concluded and they published their, their findings. Unsurprisingly, they found that things like education, or stable marriage, a healthy, healthy lifestyle choices were all helpful for a good life. But what was more amazing that they, that they concluded that the one thing that really mattered, really mattered to living a vibrant life, the one thing was love. And I think the Apostle Paul would have, would, would have agreed with that study. He believed in the supremacy of love. I think that's clear from throughout this letter that we've been looking at, Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. Remember in chapter 1, Paul expressed his gratitude to the Thessalonians, telling them that one of the things in which, for which he continually thanked God for was your labour prompted by love. Then in chapter 2, he declared that he loved these believers eh, like a mother and a father loves their kids. He said, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. That's verse 8 in chapter 2. And then in chapter 3, He described how overjoyed he was to hear back from Timothy the good news about your faith and love. That's verse 6 of that chapter. So Paul clearly believed that love was not an optional extra for our lives. Rather, it was a vital part of them. In fact, he wrote uh, to the Corinthian church that without love, Our Christianity is empty and meaningless. From that same uh, chapter that we listened to in that video at the start, 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. Without love, what I say is offensive. Then he went on, verse 2, And if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Without love, what we know is useless. And then verse 3, If I give all I possess to the poor, and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Without love, what I do is worthless. So without love, what I say is offensive. Without love, what I know is useless. And without love, what I do is worthless. Love is absolutely crucial 
in all of our lives. And that's what Jesus taught as well. One day he was asked by an expert in in the law what the greatest commandment in God's law was. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. God's will for our lives is first and foremost that we will love him with everything that we are and have and that we will love other people as we love ourselves. This is God's plan and purpose for our lives. This is how we live to please him. And so it's no surprise that Paul wrote here about brotherly love. It's supremely important to all of us. It is good for us. It gives worth and value to all that we do. And it's God's will for our lives. But in this letter, Paul actually said in verse 9 of our passage about brotherly love, we do not need to write to you. To some extent, Paul believed that he didn't need to write about brotherly love to these Thessalonians. Why was that? Well, as we've seen, it's not because it was unimportant, because Paul believed that it was supremely important, but rather it was because they already were living this way. Verse 10, in fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. This church was already expressing brotherly love to all the believers in the region. They were caring for other Christians. They were reaching out to their brothers and sisters in Christ. But this was not because, it wasn't because they were somehow just really nice people. Paul here wasn't kind of patting them on the back. He wasn't praising them for how good they were. Neither was Paul claiming the credit for this. He didn't think this church was so loving because he had taught them or discipled them just so well. He wasn't wasn't saying like, I know how loving you are because I've taught you how to live that way. He didn't say that. Rather, he saw that the source of this love was God himself. He wrote verse 9, you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. As Paul emphasised throughout this, this letter, he had instructed these believers with God's word. He had taught these believers God's word. He preached to them and he instructed them how to live in order to please God. And we today, we have that teaching contained in the Bible. We can read and study and learn what God says about how we should love each other. But Paul said here that something deeper had been happening in these believers' lives to produce this love. They hadn't just heard preaching, they hadn't just heard teaching, but God had been at work in them. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
The new covenant promise that was given to Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, was this. Ezekiel chapter 36, it says, verse 26 and 27, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and and move you to follow my decrees. This was the promise and this promise became a reality through Jesus. And so today, everyone who puts their faith in Jesus receives the gift of the Holy Spirit within them. And the first fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives is love. God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. But why is that? Why is love the first fruit of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Well, it's because this is who God is. The Holy Spirit is producing the nature of of himself in us. John wrote, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love and so we cannot know him without knowing love. If he comes into our lives by his spirit, then he will start this work of transforming us to be like his son. And that includes loving other people. So in a sense, Paul didn't need to teach these believers about love. Because by his Holy Spirit, God had produced love in their heart. But Paul wasn't content with that. He wanted more. He said in verse 10, Yet we urge you, brothers, to do so more and more. Last week, if you remember, we saw that Paul wanted these believers to please God more and more in their lives by growing in holiness. But in a similar way, Paul wanted them also to do this, also to please God more and more in their lives by growing in love. These believers really loved each other. They were committed to their church community. But Paul wanted this love to go deeper. In his prayer, in the previous chapter, chapter 3 of this letter, he said this, May the Lord make your love increase. He wanted them to be more sincere in their care for each other, more selfless in their concern for each other, more sacrificial in their giving to each other. And we'll see in a few minutes, eh, as we look at the, 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 the later couple of verses here, we'll see how Paul wanted them to do this. But Paul didn't just want their love to go deeper by loving people more. He also wanted their love to go wider by loving more people. His prayer in this this verse in chapter 3 was also 
so that their love would overflow for each other and for everyone else. Paul did not want them just to love each other in their local church. Not even just to to love the other Christians in their region. He wanted their love to overflow to the rest of the people all around them. To their their community, their neighbourhood, their city, their area. And when you think about it, that's just amazing. Because remember, these believers, they were being persecuted by the the people around them. They were being criticised and ridiculed and attacked because of their faith in Jesus. But despite all of this, in spite of their severe suffering, Paul did not want these believers to respond to this with bitterness or with resentfulness or with anger. He didn't want them to try and get their own back on these people. And he didn't even want them just to kind of pull back from them and say, well, if that's what they're like, we want to have nothing to do with them. Kind of become a little insular community. No, he didn't. Instead, he wanted them to reach out and love to these people more and more. That's actually what Jesus taught us to do. Remember in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Not just love your friends, not just love those who love you, but love your enemies. But why? Why was Paul not just content with how they were living? Why did he urge them to go to love people deeper and wider? Why did he set this incredibly high standard for them? Well, of course, that's because this is how Jesus loves. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus' love is so wide that it includes every one of us. Even though As sinners, we are living in rebellion against God. And Jesus' love is so deep that it led him to the cross where he became sin for us and laid down his life for us. And so the cross is the revelation of the width and length and height and depth Of Christ's love for us. And it's the standard to which we are called to grow towards. We are called to love like he loved us. This is what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 and 2. Be imitators of God therefore as dearly loved children. And live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering 
and sacrifice to God. Paul wanted these Thessalonians to grow in their love for others so that they would reflect the love of Christ that led them to the cross. But Paul didn't just speak in kind of the the big picture generalities here. He also knew that there were specific, practical ways in which these believers needed to grow in love. And the first way was that Paul wanted them to be more restful. Look at verse 11. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Now, this is really what's called an oxymoron. It's a contradiction of terms. In the original language, it could be translated, make it your ambition to have no ambition. Some of these Thessalonians were kind of getting carried away with feverish excitement. They were frantic, constantly on the move. But Paul wanted them to calm down, to be quiet, to be restful, to be less distracted. I'm sure you've met some people uh, who never are able to settle. They are are never at rest. They're just always on the go and they can be exhausting to be around. They create stress wherever they go. But God wants us to love other people by being at peace with ourselves and with God. So that we can help other people to experience that peace. In this hectic world. So be more restful. Lead a quiet life. Secondly, Paul said that love means that you mind your own business. Some of these Christians had been butting into other people's lives. In his second letter to this church, Paul said this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 11. We hear that some of you, some among you are idle. They are not busy, they are busy bodies. They are the kind of people who instead of focusing on their own lives and what they should be doing, they just meddle in other people's business. And I think today, with social media, I think the temptation to do that is greater than ever before. We could spend all our time prying into other people's lives and then giving our comments or our criticism or our advice to them. But love means that we respect other people's rights to live their own lives. Yes, we're there to help if they want us to. But we honour them by allowing them to make their own decisions. Even if we think they're wrong or not as wise as we would make. But as we do this, we also need to recognise the responsibilities that God has given to us. So thirdly, love means that we will work with your hands. Now, the Greeks, as a culture, they despised manual labour. They thought it was degrading to free men and fit only for slaves. 
But love means that we're willing to do whatever we can to provide for ourselves and for those around us. Now, of course, this is not challenging here. Those who cannot work because of illness or because of retirement or because of unemployment. It's not a criticism or condemnation of people in those circumstances. Rather, it's challenging those who don't want to work, who are not willing to work. And that's because love is not lazy. Why is that? Why should love lead us to do those things? Why does love lead us to be more restful, more respectful, and more responsible? Well, one reason is that it will lead us to consider other people. Paul said this in verse 12. That this is so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Seemingly, some people in that church were tempted just to sit back and let others provide what they needed. But love means that we're going to consider other people. And that we will do what we can so that we're not an unnecessary burden on anybody. Remember, that's what Paul himself modelled when he was ministering to them in Thessalonica. Remember back in chapter 2 verse 9, we worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. Remember Paul was a tent maker so he worked with his hands in providing for himself and his mission team while he was there in Thessalonica rather than just depending on the, the generosity of others. So love means that if we can... We will seek to provide for ourselves and for our family. But it also means that we'll we'll be willing to work hard also so that we can provide for other people who are in need and who can't provide for themselves. And this is actually what this church in Thessalonica did. When Paul was organising that collection for the, the Christians in Jerusalem who were suffering intense poverty, Paul wrote about the Thessalonians eh, to the, the Corinthian church. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he said this, Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. So love leads us to be generous. It leads us to be to work hard and to be generous to those who are in need because we consider others. But finally, Paul also wanted the Thessalonians to live this way so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. Paul wanted these Christians to be restful, respectful and responsible So that those outside of the church, those around in the neighbourhood, in the community where they lived, they would see how the Christians were living and they would respect them for it. Now let's be clear, that's not just, or not even, so that they would be, be, they would have a good reputation, that they would be praised. This was not an ego trip for the the Thessalonian Christians. 
Paul was not saying, live this way so everybody says you're, you're, you're wonderful, you're great. But instead, it was so that people would look at how these Christians were living and through their lives, they would be pointed to Jesus. This is what Jesus taught in the, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 and 16. He said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and not praise you, not say how great you are, but see how God is working your life and so praise your Father in heaven. So how we live The way that we conduct ourselves in these ordinary, everyday ways is a crucial part of our witness. If we truly love people, then our greatest desire will be to share the message of Jesus with them. It would be to introduce them to faith in Jesus. But if we want to have that opportunity of sharing the message of God's love with the people around us, then we need to model that love in our everyday lives. We can't talk about God's love if we're not willing to live out God's love in our everyday lives. So folks, we all find it It's easy to love some people some of the time. But God wants us to grow in love. So that increasingly we will love without limits. And that means that we will recognise the supremacy of love. That first and foremost we are called to love God and love others. That we will depend on God as the the ultimate source of love. As the Holy Spirit produces the fruit of love in our lives. And that we will accept the cross as the true standard of love. Where Jesus loved us and gave himself up for us. And we will learn the specifics of love. Letting God's love impact our everyday lives so that we'll consider the needs of others and seek to convince them through our lives of God's amazing love for them. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you this morning for your amazing, outrageous, wonderful, gracious and unfailing love. Father, we thank you that we can be here this morning with that confidence, with that assurance that you love us because we can look to the cross of Jesus and see him willingly giving his his all for us. Not because of anything good in us, but because of his love for us. And we just pray you'd help us. Help us to increasingly live a life of love. 
Father, we know that we can't find that love in our own hearts, but that needs to be the work of your Holy Spirit living within us, producing that love in us. Father, we just pray you'd help us to keep in step with the Spirit, to allow him to to change us and mould us and, and make us more and more like Jesus. So that we will be more restful. Not not running around, not living in this hectic world and causing stress wherever we are, but leading people to experience the peace that only you can give. That we will be more respectful, Lord. That we won't meddle in other people's lives. We won't get caught up in this social media uh, condemnation and and, and ridicule and, and condemnation of others, Lord. That instead we will be careful and loving and and respectful and letting other people make, live their own lives at the same time as being there for them if they, if we want, if they want us to be involved in their lives. And that we will be respectful, Lord. Uh, we will be responsible for taking on board the, the, the responsibilities you place on us. That you, we will be willing to work hard with whatever abilities or opportunities you give to us whether that's in our secular job or whether that's in our home life or whether that's with friends or neighbours or whatever it is, Lord, according to our abilities, Lord, I pray you'd help us to consider others and do what we can to meet their needs. Not because we want people to think well of us, but because we want to be signposts to Jesus. We want people to be able to look at our lives and see something of your love for us. So that they would be able to, to, to come to that place of putting their faith in Jesus and trusting in Him and experiencing His love in their lives. Father, thank you for your amazing love for us. Father, help us to grow in, in love so that we would love others as you have loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.